Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. People around you are actually depending on you to get trained and equipped so you can set them free. Friend, I want to tell you that this is bigger than just, oh, brother, you're preaching on spiritual warfare again. Oh, you're teaching so much on spiritual warfare. There is a battle and there is a war that is going on and people around you are depending on you to get trained and and equipped so that you can set them free. If you're not going to set your family free, who's going to set your family free? If you're not going to deliver your husband, who's going to deliver your husband? If you're not going to deliver your wife, who is going to God has anointed you and God has called you and God has equipped you for spiritual warfare for such a time as this friend I came to tell and preach to somebody that this is your moment that now is the time for God's people and God's remnant and God's church to rise up and to begin to engage in the battle this is why we're training come on can I get a one this is why we're equipping this is why we're teaching on the deliverance ministry tonight of Jesus and we're looking at what does the Bible say and why is it so important for the hour that we live in friend I'm telling you there's never been a more important in time and I just want to let you know that God does not have a plan B when it comes to setting people free the church is God's answer to a world in demonic bondage you're God's answer so if you're looking for an outside source God use this person or use that person or just use Isaiah God wants to use you to set the captives free this is why God has called you you might be in this broadcast or a part of the stream you say Isaiah I just found I stumbled upon your broadcast and a lot of you I met in North Carolina say you stumbled upon it I want to tell you that you did not stumble upon the broadcast tonight. You did not stumble upon the broadcast on YouTube or on Facebook, but God brought you in here to train you and equip you for spiritual warfare so that you can liberate the captives. 1 John 3, 8, for this is why he came, to destroy the works of darkness. So God has anointed you. I don't want you to sit here and think, oh, I'm just here by chance, or I'm here because of this, or I'm here because that. You're here to get trained for this divine moment. We are living in a divine moment in time where God's church is raising up and is bringing the fight to the enemy. Come on, I wish I had some violent warriors tonight that say, I'm not going to wait until the enemy comes and tries to attack my marriage, attack my family, and attack my community, but I'm taking the weapons of warfare and I'm going to war against the enemy. I am not interested in living in a little kindergarten, shallow end, kiddie pool Christianity, dead Sunday morning religion, I want to be on the front lines of the army of God. And so we need to keep getting trained and equipped. We are God's answers. The church is God's answer. A world that is desperate for freedom and all we're offering them is a form of religion. The world is crying out, where is the church to set me free? Where is the church to heal me? Like the man who brought his son to Jesus and I brought my son to your disciples and your disciples couldn't help me. Friend, I don't want to be that person that is unable to help the world. And so I want to let you know this is not about Isaiah Saldivar this is not about a certain ministry this is about the body of Christ getting raised up and getting trained up so that we can do what God has called us to do I'm telling you we're offering the world a service and a program or a group to be a part of but Christ paid a high price so that they can be free we're not looking to Isaiah we're not looking to Alexander we're not looking to Bob Larson we are looking to the author and the finisher of our faith and that is Jesus 
Jesus. The person tonight that we're going to spend our time talking about is Jesus. The deliverance ministry we're going to study tonight is not the ministry of Isaiah, the ministry of Bob Larson, the ministry of Alexander, which those are all great ministries. It is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you in scripture the tactics the strategies and key elements to pull out of the ministry of Jesus. I hear people all the time say, well, my pastor said deliverance is not for today, or my pastor said deliverance isn't in the New Testament. I'm going, what in the world are we talking about? Deliverance is the ministry of Jesus. Jesus instituted deliverance ministry. He started, I hope somebody's taking notes. He started deliverance ministry. He gave us power and authority over demons. He commanded the disciples to go drive out demons, and he spent much of his time casting out demons so who is there better to look to who is there better to study who is there better to get trained by than the person of Jesus he's the person that we need to get trained by he's the person that our focus our attention and our time needs to be put on it is all about this person we need to know and this is something that we've talked about in our ministry we've talked about in our community is that we need to be people of the word of God I refuse to be some weird ministry where all we do is get dreams revelations visions and do deliverance but we don't don't know scripture. I want some people that would rise up that are in love with God's word and that would know scripture. This is one thing that blessed me, North Carolina. So many of you that came to talk to me had your Bible with you. You love the word of God. You study the word of God. Now, obviously, just because you didn't bring it doesn't mean you're not a Christian or you're not on fire, but there's something about being in love with God's word. And there's one thing that I prayed that my preaching would do. I've always asked the Lord God, let my preaching get people excited about your word. Let my preaching get people want to to read your word. I want to get to a place where my preaching, and I hope it already does, excites you to open up the word of God, where you'd hear me preach and say, I got to run to God. I got to get in this teaching. I got to get in this word. I got to learn what the Bible says because everything we're sharing with you guys and preaching about spiritual warfare, we're backing it up with scripture because the confidence that we have going against demons is the word of God. And for so long, we've edited the Bible and we've made the commands of Jesus suggestions and opinions. And I'm telling you, it is time to get back to the word of God, as you guys can tell. I'm fired up tonight because we need to get back to God's word. We need to get back to preaching the scripture. There is power when we preach the word of God. Come on, share this broadcast. There is power when we preach scripture. And if we're not preaching the word of God, we are building our lives on sand and not on the rock. And there is a great storm coming, friend. There's already a storm that's happened in America. And if we don't build our life on the rock, if we don't build it on the word of God and on Jesus, we're going to crumble when the storm comes. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to crumble when the storms of life come. I don't want to fall by the wayside when the storms of life come. I want to be solid in my faith. I want to be, come on, where are you guys at tonight? I want to be solid in my walk and I want to know the word of God. This is our offensive weapon against demonic power. So we got to get connected and we got to know scripture. If we call ourselves Christians, then we're obligated to do what Christ did. And this is why Uh, deliverance is so abnormal in the body of Christ. If you're wondering, why is deliverance so rare? It's because doing what Jesus did is abnormal in the body of Christ. We've made a doctrine that says we can't do what Jesus did. 
and we can't live how Jesus lived. And that is a demonic lie. The lie that says that we can't live like Christ, do what Christ did, or be like Christ. Yes, we walk around and we call ourselves Christians, but we don't do, I'm preaching strong tonight, we don't do what Jesus actually did. And this is the mandate on the believer is doing what Jesus did. In John 20, 21, he said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, watch what he says here, so now I send you, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. But if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is Jesus showing us the power that he's given us. He said, the father has sent me to the world. And so now I'm sending you to the world. The same way the father sent me to bring healing to the world, to bring deliverance to the world, to bring wholeness. Come on, am I preaching strong tonight? Wholeness to the world. He says, I'm now sending you to do the same thing. So whatever Jesus did, I'm now called, Isaiah Saldivar is called to do what Jesus did. If I'm not doing what Jesus did, I don't have a right to call myself a believer. Being a Christian is not that I prayed a prayer at an altar. Being a Christian is when the world recognizes us and says those people look like the person of Jesus. You've been called and you've been anointed. Well, I can't do it, Isaiah. Friend, I'm here to tell you that the same spirit that raised Christ is alive on the inside of you, that has quickened your mortal body, that the Bible says that you've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness, that John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth that anyone that believes in me this is Jesus talking will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I am going to the father Jesus said listen I'm going to leave but do not stress out I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so that you can do the work I've done and then here's the kicker he says, you're going to do greater works. So you're not just going to do what Jesus did. You're going to do greater than Jesus did. Well, that sounds like blasphemy. That's the words of Jesus. And I want to see that in my life. I'm saying, Lord, I want to do greater works than you did. If your word says that I can do greater works, come on, who wants to do the greater works? Then I want to do the greater works. It's not a select few. He says, anyone that believes, just like in Mark 16, 17, this is for anyone that believes. Deliverance, casting out demons is for anyone that believes healing the sick is for anyone that believes we cannot change the word of God because we don't want to see demons cast out in our church we can't change the word of God because deliverance makes us uncomfortable we can't change the word of God because our denomination doesn't agree with it we can't change the word of God because a pastor a leader or famous preacher doesn't agree with it. Listen, I have friends that preach the opposite of what I preach. They preach, oh, deliverance isn't for this or deliverance is for that. It's okay. I still love them. I still care about them. But the reality is I don't listen to them. I listen to Jesus. And so when I read my Bible and I see that this is the call to all those that believe. So if I'm not doing it, greater works. If I'm not doing what Jesus did and what the father sent Jesus to do on the earth, then the simple conclusion has to be that I don't believe. And I don't want to be an unbelieving believer that traps the Holy Ghost on the inside of me and never does what God has called me to do. I want to be a believer that takes the word of God and says, I believe that this is literal, that Jesus literally wants me to do this. And if you don't agree with this friend, listen, I know some of you are like, 
I just don't agree with this brother. I just don't agree with that. I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think I should be doing it. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with Jesus. This is not my words. These are the words of Jesus. I want to lead an army of people that know what the Bible says, that know what Jesus did and can stand confident on the word of God. There is one thing people can't say about me and that's that I don't preach scripture. You might say, oh, you're charismatic or you shout too much or you're too excited or you're too passionate, which by the way, those are all compliments, but you can't say he doesn't preach the Bible because if you watch all of our videos, every single video we have, everything that we say, we back it up by the word of God. I don't want to get into heaven and look back on all the missed opportunity I had because I didn't want to do what Jesus did. Friend, I want to tell somebody tonight, and I'm preaching to myself that the fun part of Christianity is actually doing this stuff. It's boring to hear about God for years and never experience him. This is why some of you, you say, my kids are so bored. They don't want to serve God. It's because for years, We hear about God, but we don't demonstrate or experience him. And our God is a God that can be experienced. Our God is a God that can be demonstrated. And so the kingdom of God, according to Paul, is not just about talk, but it is about power, that there is power in Jesus' name. There is power in the blood. And we have too many pastors talking about what Jesus did instead of doing what Jesus did. We have too many people talking us out of the things of God. Listen, if you have friends, if you have family that is talking you out of what Jesus called you to do and what Jesus said you, you can do, you need to run from those people. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3, 5, Paul said that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the very power that can make them like God. And here's what Paul said. Paul said, stay away from these people. Don't get around people that talk you out of deliverance. I have people write me all the time. Well, this preacher who's your friend or this preacher who's not your friend, they said this about deliverance. They said, it's not for me. They said, I shouldn't do it. They said, it's dangerous. And I'm going, why are you letting people that don't do deliverance talk you out of doing deliverance? Why are you letting people that are not on the front lines, they're on the sidelines, talk you out of being on the front lines? Listen, if I'm on the field, I'm not going to listen to what cheerleaders have to say. I'm not going to take advice from cheerleaders telling me what play to run. I'm the one on the field running the play. And so I don't need cheerleaders to advise me of what I should or shouldn't be doing. Just like you shouldn't be around people that are walking without the power of God and letting them advise you and letting them talk you out of what God has talked you into. This is the call for you. This is the assignment for you, and this is the anointing for you. And I'm telling you guys, let me plead with you as we go into this. We need deliverance so badly. I cannot say this enough. I am overwhelmed by the amount of people, even after building our deliverance network, the amount of people that are in bondage and we're not delivering them. We cannot wait for the local church to do all the deliverances. We as believers need to take the matter into our own hands and need to realize that Jesus has called us to do this, and we need to do this because people are depending on us to deliver them. Friend, right now, I don't know if you know this, and I don't want to give you statistics and stress you out, but during this pandemic, suicide is at an all-time high. Depression is at an all-time high. Anxiety is at an all-time high. Fear is at an all-time high. Divorce, abuse, alcohol abuse is at an all-time high. And let me just give you this thought tonight as I just feel the Holy Spirit preaching through me tonight. What happens when things begin to reopen throughout the world? I know a lot of you in other nations and your country is still closed down, but just tell me this. What happens when things begin to 
reopen and people that have been months in their home in bondage need help. Friend, there's going to be a massive wave of people in the coming months that are going to need help from the trauma, from the anxiety, from the depression, and from the fear that this pandemic has caused. And you have to be willing to say, Lord, in the midst of this, I'm going to be the solution. I'm going to help these people. I'm going to deliver these people from the devil. There's so many open doors and the devil has launched an all out assault against the body of Christ. And I wonder who's up in this broadcast tonight that says, not on my watch. I'm going to push back against the powers of darkness. I'm going to push back against the enemy. And God is really looking for someone just to say, here I am, God, send me. I'm available. People say, how did you get such a strong ministry or anointing or whatever? And it's very, very simple. You guys want to know my secret to everything I'm doing is by raising my hand and saying, Lord, here I am. Send me to the broken. Send me to the hurting. Send me to the highways and byways. Friend, have we forgotten that this is about reaching lost people, that this is about people becoming more like Christ and me using all the gifts, all the talents, and all the abilities God has given given me to be able to reach the world. You are the end time army. If you're looking around for a prophetic word, if you're looking to another ministry to find the army, friend, look in the mirror. The end time army is in the mirror. You are the ones that God is called and that God is anointed. So stop saying I'm not educated enough. Stop saying I'm not qualified. Stop saying I don't have what it takes because you have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. I can't get serious enough about this. This is Jesus' ministry and he's equipping his church to do this. Now Jesus did 16 healing miracles and seven deliverances in the gospels and I want to begin to look through these seven instances. Okay, we're not going to get exhaustive and go through every point of every instance, but I want to look through these seven deliverances. And here's the thing, by the end of tonight, you're going to be able to say, I know every single deliverance recorded in the gospels. And I know tips and strategies to what Jesus did, not what Isaiah did. We're not studying Derek Prince. We're not studying Isaiah. We're not studying Frank Hammond or Don Dickerman or Bob Larson or Alexander Pagani. Those are all incredible people. But tonight we are going to study Jesus and we're going to look at some common misconceptions, people, things people say and think that are anti-Christ. Okay. And we're getting strong here, but anti what the Bible says and you're going to recognize that some of the most common things you thought you knew about deliverance or things you've heard pastors or leaders say are not right and according to Jesus are flat out wrong and so the first story number one we're going to go through all seven and some of these we're going to go through quick some of these we're going to take more time but the first one I want to talk about is in Luke 13 10 if you're taking notes start jotting these down and this was the woman who had the spirit of infirmity now basically I won't read through all these stories for the sake of time but Jesus was preaching in a synagogue and there was a lady in the synagogue, okay? Note this, that was demonized. She was hunched over for 18 years. Now the Bible says that she was hunched over 18 years because of a demon. So it was actually the demon causing the sickness. Oftentimes, sicknesses are linked to a demon or a spirit of infirmity. There's many sicknesses that people right now have in the chat and you've been to every doctor, they've scanned you, they've tested you, 
you, they've swabbed you, they've sent in this test and that test and this sample and that sample, and they say, we don't know what to tell you. It seems like there's nothing wrong with you. Although you're having pain in your body, am I helping anybody? Although you're struggling, although you're going through trials, you don't realize that it's not something that natural medication can solve. It is a demonic assignment, a demonic spirit, and a demonic attack on your life. And this is what we're going to see in this girl. And the first thing I want you to know is that Christians often need deliverance. I have an entire video on this. Deliverance was happening in a synagogue. Now, the synagogue was a modern day church where they would meet on the Sabbath to worship and be taught the word of God. And the woman with a spirit of infirmity was not some random passerby. I want you to notice she was a worshiper. She was a part of the synagogue. And oftentimes those that need deliverance are genuine believers, not those on the street corner, but genuine God-fearing, God-loving believers that need deliverance. There's nowhere in scripture, guys, and I have a whole video on my channel about this, where it says, if you're a believer, the devil can't demonize you. There's nowhere in scripture where it says, if you're a believer and you open doors, a demon can't come in that door. And it's completely preposterous and illogical, irrational, and impossible to say, now that I'm a believer, Think about this. I can go live however I want, open up every demonic door, but because I call myself a believer, no demons can enter into me. It's completely craziness to say this. Yet many believers live in the church like this lady, 18 years, even right now. Listen, there's many of you listening right now that have demons and you think because I've been in church my whole life, because I'm related to a pastor, I'm related to Isaiah, I'm related to a preacher, I'm related to this person, I don't have any demons, but understand that oftentimes people in the church are the ones that need the deliverance most. For me, I only do deliverance on believers because there's no point in delivering an unbeliever, they go right back and the demons come back seven times worse and they have no way of keeping demons out, so there's no point in doing deliverance on someone that's not willing to serve God. And what you're going to see about Jesus is the Bible says he went from synagogue. Remember, we're talking about Jesus tonight. Synagogue driving out demons. In fact, when he sent the disciples to cast out demons, the Bible says he told them to go to my people. Do not go to the Samaritans and do not go to the Gentiles, but go to my chosen people. And this is what pastors will not deal with and tell you is that a lot of times it's the believer that needs deliverance, okay? And if you wonder how can the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna give it to you quick, and a demonic spirit dwell in the same place, very easy. Demonic spirits are in your soulish realm and the Holy Spirit is in your spirit. These are different compartments on the inside. The Bible makes it clear that we are body, spirit, and soul. And the Bible makes it clear, Paul, that we are three parts. And that's a very simple way to describe it. So that's how it's possible to have the Holy Ghost and have a demon. Well, how do you know? Because I did. I was one of those that was speaking in tongues on fire for God, radically saved. And then days later, I had to go through a deliverance because demons were manifesting out of me. And a lot of you have that same story in the chat. And so by telling people they don't need to get delivered, by telling people they don't have demons, we're doing a disservice because now people live their entire life thinking, oh, this is just me. Now, let me show you. Let me show you something. Write this down. The flesh cannot talk to you. <laughs> That's good preaching, Isaiah. Why are you saying that? Because people always say, well, so-and-so told me it was just my flesh, but I'm hearing voices telling me to cut my arm, telling me to watch pornography, giving me desires. Friend, the flesh doesn't talk. So if you're hearing voices speaking to you in your mind, that's not the flesh, it's a demon. So this whole idea of everything is the flesh, it's not true. There's a lot of things in your life from your past that are a demon and you keep trying to crucify them and just, if I just work harder to not do these things, friend, if there's a demon there, it's always gonna have access to your mind, to your will, to your emotions and trying and try to get you to sin. Now, 
I preach, we don't blame everything on demons. I've been taught, I talk, I've taught you guys that over and over and over again, but I also preach that we need to recognize what is the flesh and what is demonic. And that comes with discerning of spirits. But the biggest thing is if you're having dominating thoughts, thoughts you can't control, it's probably a demon. If you're hearing voices, it's not your flesh. Your flesh doesn't talk to you. Now you can create thoughts and have ungodly desires because your flesh wants to drag you away, but your flesh isn't able to talk to you in third person. It's not scriptural. And that's oftentimes how we know. So understand this girl was in a synagogue. And then the next thing I want you to know is that demons oftentimes cause sickness. According to this verse, many sicknesses are often demonic, not all sicknesses, but many oftentimes the Bible says, they would bring the sick to Jesus and he would cast the demons out of them. Jesus, why are you casting out demons out of the sick people when all we wanted you to do is heal them? It's because Jesus recognized that oftentimes there was a demon attached to the sickness. Now, there's two ways I've seen this happen. Number one, there's a spirit of infirmity where you'll literally cast it out and when the demon leaves the sickness is instantly gone number two and i don't know how this all works but i've seen this over and over is that the demon blocks the person from getting healed and once the demon gets cast out you're able to pray healing and the person could get healed so it is possible that demons block supernatural healing unforgiveness can block supernatural healing so these are the two things to think about when doing deliverance on people that have a spirit now this girl was sick for 18 years bent over could not stand up straight and imagine all the medications and treatments she tried meanwhile nothing in the natural can cure a supernatural condition you need to understand this there's no natural medication or counseling that you can get to get a demon out of you it must be cast out jesus cast out spirits of blindness spirits of muteness spirits of deafness epilepsy fever and many of these things even today can be attributed to demonic spirits now not everything is demonic not every sickness is demonic this is where we need the discerning of spirits this is where we need to pray this is where we need to ask for words of knowledge and this is where we need to see the symptoms if the doctors say there's no explanation there's a chance that it is a spirit of infirmity also i've had times where people are getting tumors all over their body and the spirit was literally a spirit of tumor and we cast it out and the spirit and the tumors begin to shrink or disappear so this is another thing that can happen demons i've dealt with and if you read anyone that does deliverance or teaches on it they're all going to tell you the same thing demons can also go into body parts again i don't fully understand how this works but i've had demons tell me i'm in the person's leg i'm in the person's back i'm in their spine i'm inside their vocal cords i've had demons tell me i'm inside the person's ear i've had demons tell me i'm inside the person's knee and so i don't know how that all works but demons can move into different parts of the body and begin to wreak havoc in the body some of you know because you had pain in one area the doctors couldn't explain it and they said man i'm having all this pain in one area and then a month went by and the pain was gone out of that area and guess what happened the pain went to another area why because the demon was able to move around in your body demons are able to move around in our body so you got to understand that when we're praying for deliverance and discerning these are all things to keep in mind another thing i want you to note about this story is that manifestations of demons are not always evident in deliverance many of you have asked if i don't growl if i don't levitate if I don't foam at the mouth, if I don't shriek or shrivel, does it mean that I'm not getting delivered? Friend, listen, you can get fully delivered with no manifestations. This is a very, very common question. Our goal 
is not to get you to manifest. Our goal is to get you delivered. So there are deliverances where there's no manifestation. Now, we're talking about Jesus in Luke 13. And in this story, there's no manifestation. There's no mention, at least. Now, if there was, the Bible doesn't mention a manifestation happening in this lady. And so manifestations oftentimes do occur in deliverance, but they're not necessary for the person to be free. Our end goal is not getting you to manifest. That's not our goal. Our goal is getting you free and if they don't manifest praise god if they do manifest praise god either way we want them to get free however that looks and remember that no two deliverances are the same you're never going to do ever 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 okay two deliverances that are exactly the same deliverance is dynamic deliverance is like a puzzle and every single deliverance is different and you're going to recognize this as you begin to do deliverances okay uh, here's another thing i want to show you is that during this deliverance, Jesus laid his hands on her. And I've had people that have told me, don't lay your hands on people in deliverance. I've had pastors tell me, don't lay your hands on people in deliverance. But friend, this is scriptural to lay hands during deliverance. It clearly says in Luke 13, but he's laid his hands upon her. Jesus often did lay hands on those he ministered to. Now, it's not necessary, but I've come to find that it's helpful helpful to lay hands whenever able to. For me, when I'm praying for females, I just use my Bible as the point of reference, and I lay my Bible, I hold my Bible, and I lay it on them in whatever area I'm praying, however I'm praying. If it's guys, I'll just go ahead and lay my hands on them. So you can lay hands. I know people tell you it's not. I've had friends of mine preach against this, but I want to show you here in Luke Luke 13, Jesus did lay his hands on her. So you need to be led by the spirit. This is the main thing about deliverance is do not be restricted by methods. Do not say, well, this is my method and that's my method and I'm sticking to it. You got to be willing to be dynamic and to follow the battle strategy of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit says, lay your hands, lay your hands. If the Holy Spirit says, pray that angels would help you, pray for angels to show up and help you. If the Holy Spirit says to say this, then say that. Don't think in deliverance that anything is a coincidence. Oh, I'm just coincidentally thinking this. No, it's not a coincidence is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in deliverance. We should not be afraid to lay hands. Now, some of you might say, well, if I lay hands, and this is what I've heard all the time, the demon can come off the person and come onto me. Again, that's another false teaching because there's no way for a demon to go on you if there's no open door. So as long as, now if you're going into deliverance with a bunch of open doors and sin in your life, that could be a dangerous thing because there is a possibility if you don't command the demon to go into the abyss, it could come out of the person and get into you if there's an open door. So we always teach, you need to make sure you're walking a holy and consecrated life life before you start trying to cast out demons and again Jesus did seven deliverances 16 miracles so deliverance was not a side ministry this was a main ministry to Jesus. And the last thing I want to say about this lady is that she was entitled to deliverance because your Bible says that deliverance is the children's bread. Deliverance is for the people of God. It's for the believer. She was a daughter of Abraham. So she was qualified for deliverance because she was partaking in the children's bread. So we need to understand that people deserve to be free. Now, the religious people were indignant when Jesus did this and said, can't you come and do this on another day? Day, why on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, you guys work on the Sabbath, but you don't want me to do deliverance on this lady. And the bottom line was they considered, this is good preaching, Isaiah. They considered doing deliverance as work. They consider it a, tro- a chore. And so they said, you can't do that on the Sabbath. That's work. And friend, a lot of you consider this as labor, as work. Like, oh man, I have to do deliverance. I don't consider deliverance as I have to do it. I consider deliverance as I want to do it. And friend, here's the thing. 
Tomorrow's my first day off in I don't know how long, in a couple weeks, like literally probably two weeks since I've had a day where I have nothing, no responsibilities. And guess what I'm doing tomorrow on my day off? You guessed it. I'm doing deliverances tomorrow. Why? Because this is not work to me. This is not a burden. I'm not like, oh man, I have to go set people free. No, I'm doing it because I don't just want to preach about it. I want to actually live this in my life and do this in my life and help people, not just train them, but when I have available time, which is rare, I want to actually go and do deliverance and be participating in what God is doing. So understand it's okay to lay hands. It's possible for there to be no manifestation. Sicknesses are oftentimes linked to demons. These are all things we're going to learn. Okay, the next one I want to go into is the demoniac in the synagogue. This is in Mark 1.23 and in Luke 4.31. This is the very start of Jesus's ministry, and it begins with Jesus driving out demons from a man, here we go again, that was inside a synagogue. Remember, these are not bystanders coming into the synagogue. These are devout Jews that began to manifest when Jesus preached. And the Bible says when he went into Capernaum and the Sabbath, came Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach the people watch this were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not like the teachers of religious law but then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit began to cry out and say what do you want with us Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us I know you are the Holy One of God Jesus responded be quiet and come out of the man and the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of the man with a shriek and the people were all amazed and they begin to ask each other is this a new teaching and with authority even impure spirits obey this man and news about him begin to quickly spread spread all over Galilee that's in Mark 1 23 so understand the first thing to draw out of this deliverance is powerful preaching causes demons to manifest this man had never manifested before but because oftentimes there's weak and dull and anemic preaching demons are not threatened by our calm complacent preaching when you get up there and you're calm and you're monotone and you don't preach with authority and you don't preach with the power of the Holy Spirit, the demons are not going to manifest. What makes demons manifest is when you preach with power and when you preach with authority. Now here comes Jesus preaching with power and authority and all of a sudden, think about this guys, and this is for some of you pastors listening, People that had demons for years in the synagogue that were sitting there week after week after week listening to teaching and preaching, all of a sudden, now they're starting to manifest when Jesus begins to preach. Why? Because he preached, the Bible says, with authority and with power, and this made demons surface. Remember, demons do not like power. They do not like authority. They do not like when you're bold. They do not like to be confronted. This is one thing that demons hate, is confrontation. And the Bible says he taught as one with authority, Notice what it says, not as the teachers of the law. In other words, the teachers of the law, they were dull. They were laid back. They didn't preach with power and authority. And here comes Jesus with authority. Now listen, what gives us boldness to get up and preach like I'm preaching tonight is authority. I understand that I've been given authority by God to preach the way that I preach. I've not been released by man. It's not a man that says, Isaiah, say this or say that. Paul said, if I was trying to please man, I wouldn't be a slave of Christ I am here to serve and to honor and to glorify and to preach the word of God with power because I'm walking in the authority of Christ and this is what makes demons manifest the crowd said is this a new teaching he teaches with such authority oftentimes when deliverance breaks out in a church when deliverance breaks out in a group of believers 
religious people will accuse you of having some new teaching. Oh man, that's good preaching, Isaiah. I wish I could run right there. When deliverance begins to break out in a gathering, they're going to accuse you of new teaching. In fact, I know that pastors look at my page and they go, what is this new teaching? And they click on my videos and they hear me talking what the Bible says, preaching the word of God. It's not new teaching. The reason why it looks like new teaching is because it's so abnormal because we're not doing what Jesus did. The crowd thought it was some new teaching. It's not new teaching. It's the gospel of Jesus. Now, one of the reasons we're doing this tonight is to show you that it's not new teaching. It's the word of God. Isaiah, why are we going through all these deliverances Jesus did? Because we're showing you that what we're preaching is backed up by God's word and not just the word of God. It's not just like Paul's deliverance ministry. This is the ministry of your savior. This is the ministry of the man that's seated high and lifted up and exalted and is forever making intercession for you in heaven. This is Jesus's deliverance ministry. It's his power and it's his authority. And you got to understand that demons are not threatened by watered down calm preaching. They're not threatened by the social gospel. They're not threatened by a gospel that doesn't confront sin and compromise. In fact, in most churches, demons are completely comfortable and okay with being there because nobody is challenging them. Nobody is confronting them. We're letting demons live in the church rent free. We're not charging them. We're not attacking them. Nobody's driving them out because of our compromised gospel. I really do believe with this watered down gospel, we're not driving demons out of people. We're actually driving demons into people with our watered down antichrist gospel that preaches against the power and the presence of God. And you got to understand that it's powerful preaching that causes demons to manifest. Now the Bible says, that the demon screamed out of the man. The, the scripture is referring to the demon screaming, not the man screaming. So this is what you're going to see as you begin to do deliverance is demons will oftentimes, again, everything I'm giving you is the gospels. They will oftentimes scream out of people. They will also cry out of people. They'll take over demons or people's bodies and they'll begin to use the people's mouth to speak out of. In this story, this demon used the man's mouth and spoke out of the man's mouth and cried out of the man's mouth. And we need to learn how to discern what is demonic and what is the spirit of God because a lot of people that are manifesting oftentimes think it's a Holy Ghost when it's really a, de- a demon and they can't always tell but what he said this was not only there was one demon but you have to understand there was multiple demons because remember what verse 24 said he said what do you want with us Jesus of Nazareth have you come to destroy us I know who you are the Holy One of God notice he said us two times so that shows me it wasn't the man talking it was the demon talking so is it biblical for a demon to talk out of a person yes and this is the very first deliverance we see in scripture is right here I'm the demon speaking in plural so this was probably the chief demon speaking out of the man and there was probably many other demons under his command but notice that it was the demons speaking out of the man and the demons wanted nothing to do with jesus they hated jesus they hate you too because you resemble him and that's that's why they want to stay away from you that's why anywhere you are they manifest anywhere you go they don't want to be there i've had a lot of you message me and tell me in person ever since i started getting into deliverance and spiritual warfare I'm having friends and family manifest around me. People I'm getting to at the gym and people at the grocery store are starting to growl and starting to get angry. That's because they recognize the presence and the power of God in you and they hate you because they hate Jesus. They don't like Jesus. Jesus torments them. They don't want to encounter him. So just know that if all of a sudden I'm helping somebody tonight, if I'm not helping you, I'm helping me. If all of a sudden you have friends or family 
after the last couple months that you've been getting involved and you've been casting out demons, you've been doing deliverance, they don't want nothing to do with you. Can I get a one in the chat if you hear what I'm trying to say tonight? And they don't want to be around you. And you're like, man, I have that friend for years or I had that family member for years. It's probably the demons in them wanting to avoid you and they know who you are because you've started doing deliverance. And so please do not take it personal just know okay i got a lot of ones in the chat just know that it's the demons on the inside of the people that are actually afraid of you and the person will up subconsequentially draw themselves away from you because their demons recognize who you are now jesus tells the demon in mark 1 to be quiet not because he was against us talking to demons because later we know jesus did talk to a demon but because he did not want the demon revealing to people who he was before it was revealed but to them through revelation and this is why he told people he healed be quiet don't tell anyone this is why when people realized who he was he said please don't tell anyone it's not because he didn't want us to command demons or talk to demons it's because he didn't want demons revealing who he was before his time now some people say jesus didn't told the demon to be quiet didn't want us to talk to them that's not what the bible says here he told the demon to be quiet because the demon was revealing that he was the son of god god in the synagogue so we have to learn and also another thing to learn from this is that we have the power to tell demons to be silent if you cannot get a demon to start stop talking out of the person you could simply say the person's name to call them back. So if you're in a service or you're in a room and the person's manifesting crazy and you want to get the demon to stop manifesting, oftentimes the way I do it is I call the person by name. I tell the demon, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to engage with you. I want to talk to the person's name and I say their name and I call them back and oftentimes they'll wake up or they'll come to and they'll say what's going on or what's happening. Some people are aware the demon's speaking out of them. Other people are completely in another state of consciousness when the demon's speaking out of them. So if you're having trouble stopping manifestations, understand you need to call them by name, okay? Another thing I want to draw out of this is Jesus did in front of every did this in front of everyone, okay? He didn't take them to a back room. He didn't say this isn't a good time. He dealt with demons on the spot and the Bible says the man violently shook and let out a loud screech and this is very common for someone in deliverance to convulse and scream when the demon leaves them. Some people, you know, it could be calm, it could be quiet in the gospels we saw that in luke 13 but other people deliverance was accompanied by a dramatic manifestation now in luke 13 we see deliverance happen and the lady nothing she's quiet she gets delivered mark 1 we see this man convulsing and screaming as the impure spirit the bible says left him so what you're going to find when a demon leaves oftentimes a demon's going to scream as it leaves and you've seen that in some of our videos or and or the demon's going to make the person violently convulse so if you're seeing a violent shaking or the someone shaking very violently oftentimes that's the demon causing them to shake and then causing them to scream loud if you've ever been in a service and someone's preaching and someone starts screaming bloody murder in the service in the preaching that's usually a demon manifesting and the demons actually screeching out of them so you need to understand these are biblical and these are normal manifestations and jesus completely decides i'm going to do this deliverance right now in the middle of everybody in the front of the church where everybody can see and the bible shows the reaction of the people and here's the reaction of a dramatic manifestation i want all the pastors to listen to me closely 
The Bible says they were in awe and they were amazed and news spread about Jesus. Notice that when Jesus cast the demon out of them in front of, in front of them, they didn't run away and panic and say, we're never coming back. The opposite effect happened. They were amazed by this and they were in awe. And this is the power of deliverance. When deliverance breaks out in your ministry or in your church, people are going to be in awe of God and they're going to be amazed by what God is doing. So this is a powerful thing. I'm telling you, allow God to move in deliverance at your altars and at your church. Make that a place where the presence of God can move in deliverance. Let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do and stop telling God you can only move in the back room. Now, I do this. When I'm doing altar deliverance, I tell people this is a good start. Some people get fully delivered, but a lot of times at the altar... We're starting the deliverance process and the best place to do deliverance if possible is to get a one-on-one -on -one deliverance in a quiet room with a team of people. And the reason is, is it makes it much easier when you're at the altar and the music's blasting and people are screaming. It's oftentimes hard to deal with the demons. There could be some deliverance, but notice that oftentimes it's more effective when you can get them in a quiet environment or you can get them in a room. So it's not wrong to get them out of the sanctuary, bring them to a back room because it is easier to do the deliverance. But also if God is moving at the altars and mass deliverance just let mass deliverance happen just let mass breakthrough happen don't try to stop what god is doing just because it's upsetting the rich people in the church come on somebody or because it's upsetting the biggest tithers or because somebody invited their friend listen if you invite your brand new friend to church the best thing that can happen is them actually see the power of god being displayed in deliverance okay they're not going to get oh my gosh i'm never going back they're going to get intrigued by the fact that we're not just preaching about it but we're actually demonstrating deliverance ministry. So we cannot be afraid of this. Okay, let's go to the third deliverance. And these are in no particular order that Jesus did. And this was in Matthew 12, 22 and Luke eleven fourteen. 14. Some of these I'm going to go real quick because I've already preached on them in the past. But this was the, the third one I want to talk about. And this was Jesus delivering a man who is blind and mute. And the Bible says that one day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon left, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed, but some of them said, no wonder he cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. And others trying to test Jesus demanded a sign from heaven. He knew their thoughts. So he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say, this is Jesus, I'm empowered by Satan. Okay, and some of you have said that about me. Praise the Lord. He says, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? So understand that this is a story of Jesus delivering a man. And in the other place that in Luke, I believe it is, it says that the man not only couldn't speak, but he couldn't hear. The man was blind and mute. So he couldn't see, he couldn't speak, and he couldn't hear. And the Bible says Jesus delivered him friend you got to know that this is what the devil wants to do he wants to rob you of your vision he wants to remove your eyesight he wants to remove the purpose and the plan and the strategy that God has on your life and I've seen people with such powerful vision I've seen people let demons steal their vision I've let I've seen people let depression steal their vision I've seen people let anxiety steal their vision I've I've seen people let demons come and take their boldness and take their shout and take their passion and you need to let the enemy know today that there is no demon that I'm gonna let rob me of my vision I'm not gonna let a demon make me go mute or go silent friend demons want to stop you from speaking they want to stop you from sharing the word of God they want to shut down 
down your shout and shut down your praise and shut down your voice. But you need to let him know, Satan, you're not stealing my voice. You're not taking my vision. You're not taking my ears. I'm not letting the spirit of Delilah rob me of my vision. I'm going to fight to keep my vision alive. I came to talk to somebody that says, I am going to fight to keep my voice heard. I'm going to fight to preach the gospel. I'm not going to let the enemy stop me. I'm not going to let the enemy discourage me. I'm not going to let the enemy water me down. I'm going to go forth with the word of God and I'm going to preach the word of God with power, with boldness and with authority. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. It's time to stop being mute. It's time to stop being spiritually deaf. It's time to stop being spiritually blind and it's time to let Jesus speak to you. Let Jesus speak out of you. Let him open up your spiritual eyes. He's here tonight to deliver those that have been afflicted, have been attacked, have been, you know, demonized. He's here to break you free tonight. Now, when Jesus did this deliverance, the Bible says they accused him of being of Satan. And I want to just tell you this. Listen, they're going to do this to you too. If they accuse Jesus of being of Satan, they're going to accuse you of being of Satan. But just know that you are in good company because if they did it to him, they're going to do it to you. He doesn't want you to hear this tonight, but you do have the power to withstand persecution. First Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised by the trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be glad about them for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you'll have a wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. And so the trials that you're going through, be excited about them because it's part of sharing in the suffering of Christ. If they rejected Jesus, if they denied Jesus, if they didn't want to be like Jesus or receive Jesus, they're going to to deny you and reject you. And the first time we see them beginning to call Jesus a son of the devil or of Satan or what working in the power of Satan is when they did deliverance. And so understand as you do deliverance, they're going to call you satanic. They're going to say you're of the devil. And this is going to be coming from Here we go. Not the world, but from the church. The world is not going to say you're of the devil. In fact, the world marvels at deliverance. It's the pastors and the leaders that are going to say you're of the devil when you start doing deliverance. Luke 10, 16 says, then he said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who is rejecting me is rejecting God who sent me. Now, now this is not a coincidence. He told them this right before He sent them to go drive out demons. He said, listen, I'm going to send you guys the 72 to drive out demons, but just know that when they reject you, they're actually rejecting me. So don't be shocked if they reject you because they've already rejected me. And I know it hurts. It hurts to have friends and family and churches reject you, but it's part of the suffering in Christ. Deliverance will bring accusation your way. Some of you already know. Type one if you already face persecution. Okay, let me just go ahead and type my one in the chat here. Your family and friends, I'm telling you now so you're not shocked and you say, I I was already warned of this. I was ready for this. I knew it was coming. Your friends and your family who are believers are going to think you're crazy. They're going to call you the crazy ones. But understand that you're not the crazy one. I love what Bob Larson said. They're the crazy ones. They're the ones that don't believe the Bible, not you. And so you're not the crazy one for believing in deliverance. They are the crazy ones for believe for not believing the word of God. And don't be afraid when your Bible-believing friends and family think you're crazy. It is crazy because they don't read the Bible and they don't live the Bible and you're actually taking it serious. And now, of course, people are going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to ridicule you. This is why we're diving into Jesus because this is what Jesus did. 
He goes on to say, a kingdom divided cannot stand. So this is him showing us again that Satan has a kingdom and Satan's kingdom, notice this, is not divided. It works together. When you do deliverance, you're going to realize how demons tag team. The demons work together. One will go down to the person and then come back up and then another one will go down and come back up and they literally will work back and forth. Sometimes you're talking to confusion and that demon goes back down and then anger comes up and then anger goes back down and resentment comes back up and they try to confuse you and trick you and they work together because a kingdom divided can't stand. So this is what I want to tell you tonight. Your deliverance team needs to be in unity. You cannot have two people leading a deliverance. That's not unity and that will cause confusion. You cannot have people on your squad or your team that argue and that don't agree. This is what the devil plays on. He plays on disunity. You must work together. You must come together in unity to go against Satan. Unity is a spiritual weapon. So if you're trying to do deliverance in a room of people where half of them believe this and half of them believe that, you need to make sure everyone's in agreement. Everybody knows their role. Everybody knows who's doing what. Everybody knows who's leading the deliverance and make sure that you don't let confusion come in or disunity come in or disruption come in because the devil will play on disunity. The devil is a king of disunity and he'll cause disunity. He'll start disrupting the deliverance ministry. So you need to make sure that you're all together in unity. There's power in unity. And so after this man gets delivered, look what happens. He's able to speak. He's able to see, he's able to hear, and he's able to worship God. Notice this. When you do deliverance, there's actual life change after deliverance. This was dramatic. And sometimes it's not dramatic as this. Sometimes it is. But think about this. This man couldn't speak. He couldn't hear. He couldn't see. And now, because he got delivered, he's able to speak, hear, and see. How dramatic was it he got delivered? Understand that oftentimes there will be things in your life that you couldn't do before that you're able to do after deliverance. Isaiah, give me an example. I'll give you my own example. For years, I could not physically look into anybody's eyes. You could ask my family. You could ask my friends. I never made eye contact at my family, my friends, my people in law enforcement that I went to school for in college. My lieutenant in, in law enforcement in college would say, look at me in the eye, Saldivar. Look at me when I'm talking to you. You need to make eye contact. I never made, I couldn't make eye contact. I didn't know why. Well, when I got delivered, there was a spirit of shame that literally came screaming out of me and when that spirit of shame left me I was then able to make eye contact for the first time in I couldn't remember how long so this was a physical change for actually getting delivered so oftentimes deliverance will happen and there will be a physical change happening in the deliverance okay let's go quick through these next couple the fourth deliverance in no particular order was when Jesus delivered a mute man. That's in Matthew 9:32. It says, while they were going out, a man who was demonized and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute began to speak. And the crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Here's what I want you to note about this story in Matthew 9:32. The one thing I want to point out is that when the deliverance happened, Happen, people were shocked because they said we've never seen anything like this and you're going to find this especially in the church and even in your church if you start doing this is you're going to find people have never seen this and it's going to shock them when they see it for the first time now some people are going to be shocked and angry and the reason why they're going to be angry is because they're going to say pastor why have you never showed us taught us 
or equipped us to do this. And the other reason why they might be angry is because they're at the already in their 60s and 70s and they feel like they've missed their entire life being deceived, not knowing that they were called and they were anointed and they had the power to drive out demons and nobody actually told them they could. The people were shocked because they've never seen anything like this. In deliverance, listen to me closely. You're going to see stuff that you've never seen before. You're going to see manifestations. You're going to hear things that are not going to be ever seen or heard. And you're going to say, I have never even heard of that spirit. And you need to be open and be willing to follow what the spirit tells you to do, even in dealing in situations you've never dealt with. I guarantee that tomorrow when I'm casting out demons, I'm going to encounter demons I've never encountered before. And I'm going to have to adapt my strategy to defeating those demons. So you're going to always experience new things and see new things. Bob Larson said after 40,000 deliverances every day, he encounters new demons every single day after 40,000. So I think it's safe to say you're going to see stuff you've never seen before. And then I want you to notice this. Here's the Pharisees again saying it's by the prince of demons. He drives out demons. In my mind, I'm looking at these Pharisees and I'm going, just go away. Why are you guys always so interested in what we're doing? Why are you guys so interested in us driving out demons? Just leave Jesus alone. Go have your mamsy pamsy service. Go have your religious gathering. Go do what you do and let us do what we do. But no, the religious Pharisees are always having to get involved with what Jesus is trying to do. They're always trying to get involved in what Jesus is saying. And Pharisees, that's the most annoying thing about religious people people is they always want to follow around and be a part of what God is doing, but they're negative Nancy's. They're always speaking against the ministry of deliverance. And I'm just going, why are religious people so bent on disproving what Jesus is doing? Religion has an obsession with trying to expose everyone, prove everyone, validate everyone. And I'm sorry, religion, but I don't need you to validate me. I don't need validation. Why would I need validation from someone not even doing deliverance? Don't let religion discourage you. Why would I listen to these guys that are not even doing deliverance when I'm actually doing deliverance. I, I want to listen to people that do deliverance. Why would I listen to a deliverance teacher that doesn't even practice it? And some of you listen to me. You're following ministers and taking uh, advice from them when they don't even do deliverances in their gatherings or in their personal life. And the spirit of religion will always attack those for doing what it knows it should be doing, but what it doesn't do. I'm dropping nuclear warheads right here, friend. You got to understand that religion hates demonstration because they only have head knowledge. But Paul said, I'm not coming with a bunch of head knowledge. I'm coming with demonstration so that the power of God would not be of ill effect or it would have power and that you wouldn't put your faith in man, but you'd put your faith in Christ. And so I'm walking in demonstration so that your faith would not be in Isaiah Saldivar. I'm not just preaching information. I'm preaching demonstration and revelation so that you would put your faith in Christ and what Christ did on that cross. You need to understand this. Okay, let me go into number five here, the fifth one. We're going to run through these last two very, very quick because I've already preached most of these before. You can find them all in my other videos. I just want to touch on them as when Jesus delivered the man at the tombs and that's found in Luke 8, 26 and Mark 5 and in Matthew 8, 28. And I talked extensively about this in my other videos. I 
have two other videos on YouTube about Jesus's deliverance ministry. So if you want to watch those, one of them is called How Jesus Cast Out Demons. The other one's called Jesus, I Believe, Verse Demons. And you can find those on YouTube. And I break these stories down in a very long fashion. I just want to show you a couple things to note in these stories. And one thing I want to show you about the man at the tombs was he had supernatural strength. And I want to talk about this because you're going to encounter this in deliverance. You say, why are people holding them down? Why does Bob Larson have four people holding somebody? Because demons oftentimes have supernatural strength. The Bible says the man could not be restrained by chains. And so you have to understand that sometimes, even if you have two to three people trying to hold the person, you won't be able to restrain them. I've seen people that are hundred pounds, throw four people off of them because you have to understand that demons have strength that humans don't have. You look at Acts 19 with the sons of Sceva. The Bible says the men were stripped of their clothes trying to do a deliverance. So the demon had a certain level of power. So I'm not trying to scare you, but I also want to say be cautious when doing deliverance that you're using wisdom. and It's not just you by yourself and you're trying to do deliverance because there is stuff that can take place. And this is another area where angels come to play, where you can pray for angels to help you hold the person down. Hebrews 1.14 says angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. So angels are spirits, servants, that come to serve us, that come to help us. So you can pray to the Father to send angels to help you. So don't be afraid to do that. Oftentimes you're gonna need help because demons do have supernatural strength. This man was also acting like a wild animal. The Bible said that nobody can tame the man. And we see this all the time in society. You'll see people walking down the road acting like animals. Maybe they're on drugs. Maybe they're demonized. They're talking to themselves. They're acting like an animal. And this is another major symptom of being demonized. I've lost track of how many people I've prayed for and they instantly start growling like a dog. Okay. I've lost track of how many people I've prayed for that manifested like an animal. I've seen a lot of people act like animals in deliverance. I've seen birds. I've literally seen people in deliverance flap their arms like they're a bird when it was a certain bird spirit. I've seen people act like a bull. I'm talking like a bull, the animal a bull, and they flared their nose and they're kicking their foot. I've seen people act like dogs, snakes, and various other animals. This is a real thing for people to manifest like a wild animal. And this man at the tombs was acting like a wild animal. Again, on my other videos on YouTube, I go into about a 40 minute teaching on this. So I'm not going to do it again tonight, but Jesus did in this story, require the demon to identify itself. So Isaiah, is it biblical to ask the demon its name? Yes. Jesus was asking the demon its name, not because he needed the information, but because I believe he was showing us that one, it's okay to do it. And two, when spirits are forced to name themselves, their power is weakened. Remember the devil loses power when he's exposed and exposing his name. He oftentimes loses his power. So it is okay to ask a demon its name. Now, Jesus had already, the Bible says, been commanding the demon to leave and the demon was not obedient. So it didn't leave right away. And then Jesus asked the demon's name. I usually don't start out by saying, what is your name? I start out by commanding it to go. And then like the story here, when the demon doesn't obey or doesn't go, then I ask it its name and why, why it isn't leaving, okay? So I don't immediately go into conversation with demons, but I think it is okay to conversate if you're trying to get information to get the person person set free. I'm not going off on um, unnecessary information or unrelated information. I'm just trying to get the information I need. I'm interrogating. I'm not having a conversation. I'm confronting, not conversating. I'm interrogating the demon, figuring out why it won't leave so that I'm able to effectively get it out. And this is biblical. This is something Jesus did. Some of you say, well, Jesus commanded the demon to leave and it left right away. That's not what the Bible says here. It says, and he had been commanding the demon to leave and the demon wasn't leaving. And then demon, Jesus asked the demon 
demon its name. Now, let me give you a free nugget here when it comes to demons' names. Demons' names are oftentimes their function. So you might say, how can I have a spirit of anger and that guy down the road have a spirit of anger? Isn't there only one demon named anger? No, the name of the demon is the function of the demon. Let me say another thing here. Oftentimes demons come not because you did that sin, but to get you to do that sin. For instance, a spirit of murder isn't always there because you murdered somebody. It's there to get you to try to get you to murder somebody. A spirit of suicide wouldn't exist. But it's there not because you commit suicide, it's there to get you to commit suicide. So you gotta notice that when you open a door, you might open a door of lust and a demon of suicide come in with a spirit of lust. Because remember, Jesus said if a demon goes out, it gets seven of its friends and they all come back through one door. Seven demons or eight total come through one door. So you can get a spirit of lust and never even do anything lustful. You can get a spirit of anger and not even do anything angry. So not always do demons come because you've opened a certain door. And when you're talking about demons names, you're talking about their function. Jezebel, that's her function. Delilah, that's her function. Spirit of Aphrodite, that's the function. All these Greek mythological spirits, these are all the functions of that spirit, of that demon. And that is their name. That is why in deliverance, you're going to deal with people that had abusive parents and the demon's going to be the name of their parents. And you, I, I run time dealt with this. And I said, how in the world is there a demon named after the person's mom, for instance? And I realized it wasn't the name because the demon's name was the person's mom. The demon's function was to do what the mom did. And whether that's to abuse or to dominate or to harass or to verbally abuse, the demon's name was the person's mom because that's the function of the mom in the person's life. And that's what you need to know about demon names. When you're coming through names of demons that's why there really any sin any act anything evil could have a demon could be a demon could be a name of a demon because those acts oftentimes the demon works in that like gluttony you know why would someone have a spirit of gluttony to make them overeat so that they end up eventually dying of being too obese so that's the way you need to understand names and you need to look at names when it comes to demons okay the sixth story, I'm not going to go into detail here because I've already covered this in my other video, Jesus versus Demons, is the Syrophoenician woman's daughter. This is a story of a woman who brought her daughter to Jesus and Jesus did deliverance on her daughter from a distance. And we learned a couple things. Number one is that kids can be demonized. Number two, parents are not only the guardian in the natural, but they're spiritual guardians. Deliverance is the children's bread. This is where we get the teaching from. Faith is important because remember, it was by her faith her daughter got delivered. So when you go in deliverance, you need to make sure you have faith. Now, is it possible for deliverance to happen at a distance? It is possible. And we know this because the Bible makes it clear in Mark 7, 24 and in Matthew 15, 21, the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus. Remember, her daughter was not with her and Jesus delivered her daughter from a distance. So it's possible for your kids to get delivered at a distance. It's not very common, but biblically, according to the ministry of Jesus, it is possible. And the last story that we're going to we're going to just touch on that Jesus did this is the seventh deliverance the final deliverance in the new testament that Jesus did was the boy whose father brought him to Jesus this is in Mark 9:14 Matthew 17:14 and Luke 9:37 and this was a story of a failed deliverance if you want to know the full story of this go to my video called why deliverances fail i break this entire story down in an hour and i preach this story of why deliverances fail but in essence what i want to show you tonight was the demon was trying to kill the boy. The Bible says the demon was casting him into water and casting him into fire. The demon's goal was to kill this little boy. Here's what I want to close on before we pray for mass deliverance tonight. The goal of the enemy
enemy. The goal of Satan is to kill you. So you might say, why is he doing that? Or why is he doing this? He's doing it because he wants you dead. His goal is to bring total and complete destruction in your life. He doesn't want you to be alive. He doesn't want you to be a believer. He doesn't want you to serve God. And so this is why the devil is trying to kill you and trying to destroy you. And this demon was literally trying to kill the boy. His father said, this demon has been trying to destroy my son. And so understand that demons oftentimes are going to try to destroy you. They're going to bring destruction over you. And this is the ultimate goal. The end goal of the devil is to kill you. So friend, why am I ending with that? Because here's what I want to show you tonight. We've looked at seven stories of Jesus' deliverance ministry. We've backed up everything that we teach with the stories of Jesus. But here's what I want to show you. That deliverance, write this down, is a matter of life and death. Why do you take it so serious? Why do you preach about it so much? Why are you so serious about deliverance? deliverance. Now, last week I preached on hell. I have only preached, I think this is my second or third Friday on deliverance this year. I've been talking about a bunch of other topics and we're going to keep talking about other bunch of topics, but it's so serious because deliverance is really a matter of life and death. It's a matter of someone dying or someone living. And you've watched, you can watch countless documentaries of serial killers saying a demon made me do it. Now it's not the demon that makes them pull the trigger. It's the demon that gives them the overwhelming desire until they finally get in. We had a kid in, in my city who shot his parents, killed his parents, and then killed himself in our city. And he said, you know, I think he left some note about how the demons made him do it, but it was reported that he had gone to a local church in my area and asked, or his mom brought him and asked to get delivered. And the church told him, we don't do deliverance. We don't believe in it. And the boy ended up killing his parents and himself. And this happened, I want to say seven or eight years ago in my city. And friend, I want to tell you that deliverance is a real thing. And God wants to raise you up train you up because there's somebody's life hanging in the balance and depending on you to bring deliverance to them. God has called you and God has anointed you. And I believe tonight God wants to set somebody free. I believe tonight God wants to release the power of equipping. And um, listen, we're an hour and six minutes in, or I'm sorry, an hour and 21 minutes in. And I want you to go into these stories, into these places. This is your homework and begin to study these deliverances and draw out the strategies and the methods that Jesus used, what we see there to do doing deliverance ministry because as we stand on the word of God, we're going to see breakthrough. We're going to see deliverance. So let's pray. I believe tonight God wants to deliver you. And so we're just going to pray mass deliverance tonight. We're going to believe tonight that God wants to set you free. I know there's a lot of new people on YouTube that you were in here earlier, writing in the comments, doing this, doing that. So I want to pray for you. And I want to believe tonight that God wants to deliver you. So father, we ask you for your deliverance power we ask you, Holy spirit, that you would release breakthrough in Jesus name over every person watching. We plead the blood of Jesus over every demonic force. We plead the blood of Jesus over every demonic power. Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. You have no power. You have no legal right. The Lord rebukes you, and we command you to leave these people in the name of Jesus. We come against your assignments. I bind every spiritual spouse, every spiritual wife, every spirit husband. We bind you and cast you out in Jesus' name. I bind the spirit of depression in Jesus' name. You are bound the Lord rebukes you, spirit of depression. We command you to go into the pit and never return. We come against every spirit of violence, every spirit of anger, every spirit of fear. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. So tonight, spirit of fear, you are bound in Jesus' name. We come against you in Jesus' name. You have no authority. You have no legal right. And then right now, I just bind up the spirit of infirmity. 
spirit of infirmity we command you to go in jesus name we command you to go in jesus name spirit of infirmity you have no legal right and you have no power and you are bound we command you to go into the abyss and never return i bind up right now the spirit of religion religion we bind you your power is broken your authority is broken the lord rebukes you you have no legal right you have no right to these people and we come against you now in jesus name we speak the power of god we speak the fire of god we speak the anointing of god right now in jesus name satan we rebuke you now right now you are not their home they are not your home in jesus name you you must go now you must move out now come on you might need to pray for yourself now and just command these things to leave you we break every mental stronghold in jesus name i'm reading the chat here we command these strongholds to be broken now spirit of kundalini we break you now in jesus name get out in jesus name get out in jesus name the lord rebukes you satan deliverance is breaking out i see all your guys's comments right now people are vomiting up people are spitting up right now leave in jesus name spirit of addiction we break you now in the name of jesus we command the spirit of addiction to be broken we break you now in jesus name infirmity we break you now depression anxiety go into the pit in jesus name spirit of gluttony we break you in jesus name father we ask that every chain would break okay i know a lot of you are getting deliverance right now if you need to get a bowl just start opening your mouth let this thing come out of you the people often say push it out of you open your mouth let this thing come out of you we speak to every unclean spirit now and we bind you in jesus name spirit of lust and perversion we bind you in jesus name you have no power you have no power you have no legal right we command you to leave now you are a son and a daughter of almighty god and the lord rebukes you now satan you have no legal right to god's people you must let them go in jesus name every tormenting spirit spirit of destruction we bind you in jesus name we bind you in jesus name we command you to come out of body parts in the name of jesus spirit of shame we bind you we command you to go into the abyss and never return in jesus name come out now in jesus name father we pray send your fire in jesus name we ask you lord that you would send your ministering angels to war against every demonic spirit spirit of confusion spirit of divorce spirit of anger we bind you in jesus name we rebuke you now spirit of bondage we rebuke you now spirit of nightmare we bind you we bind you spirit of cancer go in jesus name witchcraft you are bound in jesus name the lord rebukes you right now go in jesus name every dumb spirit every mute spirit every spirit of deafness we we bind you we command you to leave now panic attacks we come against you now spirit of anger we bind you go in jesus name you have no power you have no power satan we say by the blood of jesus right now you are powerless in jesus name we come against you we rebuke you satan you are powerless father we pray that the strongholds would get shattered in the name of jesus right now lord just shatter strongholds in jesus name father we ask for your holy spirit fire and your holy spirit anointing right now to burn away every demonic power every demonic force satan we come against you spirit of poverty we come against you now we break every generational curse in jesus name we break every generational curse by the blood of jesus spirit of mockery we come against you spirit of blasphemy we bind you now divination we bind you we bind you in jesus name father we pray right now deliver your people in the name of jesus deliver your people in the name of jesus god we ask for your delivering power in jesus name release deliverance i want to speak this over your house we speak deliverance over your house in jesus name 
We speak deliverance over your house in Jesus' name. Deliverance over your kids. Deliverance over your marriage. Deliverance over your family. We say be set free and be delivered by the power of Almighty God. This is a provision of the cross. This is part of the atonement. And Father, we ask you right now that you would release your hand of deliverance. Father, give us a love for prayer. Give us a love for your word. Release your Holy Spirit power. God, we want to know you. If there's anything hindering our walk with you, Lord, we come against it now in Jesus' name. Satan, you're bound. You are powerless. Every contract and every assignment is broken in Jesus' name. Now, go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing. Satan, you are bound in Jesus' name. We break you now in Jesus' name. Father, we ask Holy Spirit, release your Holy Spirit, Father. We pray, release your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Come on, just ask him right now for deliverance and breakthrough. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. We pray for baptism of fire. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would release healing right now. In Jesus' name, release healing over your people. Release healing over your people now, over sickness, over COVID, over cancer, over diabetes. Father, I pray that you would release your healing power in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you're bringing healing, you're bringing restoration, and you're bringing renewal right now. I pray that you would renew our minds by your power and your spirit. For those that have never received the Holy Spirit, Father, we just pray the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We pray the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that those that are in this chat tonight would be ready to deliver those that are coming out of this shutdown, coming out of this pandemic, and they're going to need deliverance. We're going to need mass deliverance in the next few months when people start coming out of their homes. They're going to need deliverance. So, Father, I pray that you would raise up Every person listening, raise up this chat, God. Raise up this army in in the name of Jesus to do deliverance, to preach deliverance, and to demonstrate deliverance in Jesus' name. We just say, God, release your power. Release your power. Release your power in Jesus' name. We bless everybody listening in the name of Jesus. And we just all say tonight, amen. I'm telling you guys, I feel the fire of God tonight. Revival is moving. I'm telling you, God's power, God's presence is strong. Let the Holy Spirit keep working on you. Let the Holy Spirit keep touching you. Let his anointing flow in your life and let God do what he wants to do. God is up to something. God is doing something. Don't be in a rush for what God is doing. I'm going to hang out here for a bit. We're an hour. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.